the other believers in worship and hearing the word and all that, so it's good to have you. So um, every time we get together, we generally almost always start off with singing together. There's something powerful about the unity of the saints and believers when we join together in song. You know that? So, so God creates us with a body to do what I'm doing right now, talking. Right? And also the ability to raise your voice in song. And then, then we have a body that can do things like clap your hands and raise your hands and bow down. Our body, in a certain way, is created to worship. You know, you know that, that, that how you live your life is always worship of something. Isn't that correct? Whether or not you realize it, you always are in worship of something. What, one of the most powerful things we do together is when we come together as a church is to worship because it's an expression of our salvation and the goodness of God. Amen? So um, I'm going to put these guys on the spot. Only, only Samara knew this. Okay, so Samara, tell me what, in your words, doesn't have to be perfect definition, what does it mean to praise God? In your words, to praise off the top of your head, I know, I'm, I know you're on the spot. I think that praising God is something that we can actually do for him. There's not a lot of things I feel like he has everything, he can do anything, but we can give our time and choose to honor him with our time in worship. Yeah, I like that. It's something that we can do, right? So, Lori, Lori, I'm going to put Lori on the spot. Lori, Lori tries to hide in the back, but I'm not letting her today, all right? So what do you think worship is? Do you have it in your own mind what you, what you would verbalize as worship? Um, praise and worship to me is like uh, reading the Bible. Uh -huh. it, it, praise and worship makes it come alive for me. Oh, yeah. Okay, and, yeah. And, yeah it's it really it touches me in a, in a whole different way. It's a practical application of your belief. I like that. That's very good. See, sometimes when you ask these questions, good stuff happens. See, right? Yeah, I like that. That's good. Anybody else up here have anything you want to add to that before we get rolling? What it means to worship, what it means to praise. Anybody? Uh, I'd say for me it's just letting all the worldly cares go and just focusing on him uh -huh. the whole time. And... Now, how, how many of you brought a worldly care in here with you today? Okay, you see what Chamberlain just said? It's not that we're in denial of our worldly care, but we, in a certain way, not only lay it down, but we lay it down in our worship to him, right? We give it over, correct? Anybody else? Okay, I like that. All right, let's stand up on our feet. Let's, let's enter into some praise and worship this morning. Amen. Like a 
so much more We're looking to a new horizon We're praying for your rain to pour An overflowing of true redemption An overflowing of your kingdom And we're ready for a real revival Oh, Holy Spirit, come Like a flood, like a fire
Cause it's a new horizon And I'm set on you Then you meet me here today With mercies that I knew And all my fears and doubts And they could all come true Cause they can't stay long when I'm here with you Cause it's a new horizon and I'm set on you And you meet me here today with mercies that I knew And all my fears and doubts and make it all come true
because sometimes it seems like it's hopeless, but it is not hopeless. He can do anything. Amen. Well, we're so glad to have you here this morning. If you would, just go around and greet some of your family of faith.
Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you today, live streamers. If you're watching on live stream on Facebook, YouTube, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Let's take up tithe and offering. If you have something to give, you can prepare that. And uh, offering envelopes from the chair in front of you. If there's not one and you want one, wave your hand around. One of the ushers will help you out. But it's good to see you today. Let me pray over your tithe and offering. If you do have something to give, you can bring it this morning. Lord, we thank you uh, for an opportunity to be in your house to worship and, and praise you this morning. And as we give, Lord, it's just a, another step of, of living life of faith in you. And we believe uh, all the things that the scriptures testify about you, including the fact that you are a provider. And you're, you're always opening ways for us and bringing provision to our lives, even when we don't understand that that's you behind the scenes, Lord. And we thank you for always working for our good and somehow, some way, always doing it. We believe in that. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen. Bring it forward if you have it. I do have a handful of announcements real quick. Uh, before I do that, don't forget at the back table, uh, there is uh, these things to say praise on. If you have something cool happening in your life that God is up to, we'd love to hear about it. So fill one of those out, give it to me. Or if you have a prayer request, uh, obviously says prayer on there. You can fill that out, give that to me. We would love to, to pray for uh, things that you bring to our attention. Also, don't forget these little pocket-sized invite, uh, not cards, but whatever you want to call them. But uh, we, we'd love for you to invite people you know to come to church. If they don't attend church somewhere and don't have a church home, we'd love to offer them to come join us. So you can use those as much as you want and invite people to church. Okay, uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, Monday night, tomorrow, 7 o'clock right here, we're going to take about an hour and flyer the surrounding neighborhood with our VBS flyers. So if you want to come out tomorrow night and take a little walk uh, and help us do that, I'd appreciate that. I'll be here at 7, and we'll just, we'll just head out for a little while and just hit uh, just this little neighborhood right around us with our VBS flyers to invite our, our neighborhood out to our VBS, okay? So uh, would love help with that. And I, I think the workout small group is, is here tomorrow night. Yep. When are you guys in? Okay, well, I was just going to say it's a wonderful cool down when you guys are done to, to go for a walk. So I'm just throwing it out there. Um, anyways, VBS, uh, by the way, we have uh, Sunday the 26th, Monday 27th, Tuesday the 28th of June at the end of this month. We have our yearly uh, vacation Bible school, 6 to 8 p.m. each night. It's always a good time. So be inviting. Uh, it's, it's preschool through uh, fifth grade, so for the young kids to come out and be a part of that. Uh, we are looking for volunteers. We have some signed up, but we want to solidify our volunteer base. So uh, I know some people are scratching their names on there. We're going to pass that around during service. So if you want to help, and what we need help for is during the BBS each night, there's stations. Like there's a lesson station happening. At the same time, there is the, uh, the snack station happening, which at the same time, there's the craft stations happening. And what they do is they rotate through the stations. So we need help in each one of those spots. So uh, if you're interested in helping, please sign up. And then there's not uh, a lot of instruction involved. Just be here on the uh, 26th, and we'll make it happen. So we're looking forward to that. Um, don't forget June 10th, or I'm sorry, July 10th, after church, is a church picnic. How many of y'all like to eat? Yeah, me too. So anyways, what we're going to do is going to head to the Millers, 
And if you don't know where that is, we'll tell you. But uh, Marilyn Miller uh, and her husband, they run a, a wedding venue. It's a little bit away from here. But they, they offered up to us to come over and do a, a summer picnic and also a Christmas party. So we did our Christmas party there. We're going back for our picnic. And we actually had to go with the date she had because they are massively busy. They like, have weddings every single weekend. But they had July 10th open for us, so they invited us down. So we're going to do a church picnic that day. So it's a carry-in, so bring your favorite food to share, and then we'll go over there and have a good time for a couple hours or so after church that day. I'm sorry? Oh, bring cards for Euchre. How many of y'all like to play Euchre? How many of you are actually good at it? I like to play, but I'm terrible. So if somebody would like to take on a charity case, I can be on your team, okay? Um, but we'll, we'll hang out and do some stuff like that. Also, the women, the ladies in the house, just for you. Guys not invited, amen. We have a women's coffee and crafts event on July 16th at 10 a.m., right here, so if you have questions, see Margo. I know nothing about it. It's all Margo's doing, so see her, and she'll tell you more about what that's all about. So other, other than that, I just hope to see you uh, tomorrow night to help pass out flyers. Now, um, I will say this. Did you guys see on the weather, we're supposed to get this massive heat wave Tuesday and Wednesday, like mid, they call it massive, but it's like the mid-90s, whatever. But anyhow, it's supposed to be hot, um, as you know, some of the hot nights on Wednesdays, this building doesn't do the best with the air conditioning, okay? So I, I'm telling you that if we, we're just gonna give it a whirl and show, see what it's like when we come Wednesday and we'll do whatever. But we, we had somebody looking at our air conditioning um, and Wednesday is gonna be a big test for us is what's happening with it. And then we'll know from there what more we need to do to, to fix uh, what we need to do in this building. But we're still have church Wednesday and I'm not saying that, but we'll just see what it's like when we get here. Sound good? All right, good. Get your Bibles out. Matthew chapter 16, if you have a Bible, you can go there. If not, uh, Kelly back there will throw it up on the screen for you to see it. We, we're finishing out a series today that we've been on for about five or six weeks called The Ways That Keep Us On The Way. Oh, by the way, next Sunday, Pastor Rick Burks is, is speaking next Sunday morning. You know Pastor Rick. He's going to be with us. Uh, the reason is because I'm not going to be here. And you can say amen to that, too. That's okay. Um, actually, how many uh, you guys know my son, Ryan, or, yeah, Ryan Gavin, my other son, Ryan. My son, Gavin, got hired as a, at a church in Tennessee as our youth pastor. So we're going to go visit the church and meet the pastor and do all that fun stuff. So next Sunday, we'll be in Tennessee uh, visiting that church. But Pastor Rick will be here. So there's no reason not to come to church next week, okay? It's going to be a good word. And he's excited about coming. All right. So Matthew 16, ways that keep us on the way. I am interested in long-term discipleship. I'm interested in the Christian life that is lived all the days of our life. I'm not interested in the Christian life that's played at. I'm not interested in the Christian life that's shallow Christianity. It's there when you want it. it where at the moment it, it maybe you, you lean on it to bring something to your life. I'm talking the everyday living of the Christian life that takes us through our life. That's the kind of Christianity that the scriptures call us to. That's the scripture, the scriptures testify to that kind of Christian living. So we've been talking about um, some characteristics 
and things of the Christian life that help keep us on the way. Remember, the early churches we find in the book of Acts, they were termed as those on the way, as a title, the way. Probably drawing on that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, like the song we were singing this morning. How many believe that Jesus is actually the way, that he is the truth, and he is true life? How many believe that? Okay. Then the Christian life, then, is a way of living. Christianity isn't something that you believe. It is. But it's not just in what you believe. But what good is it to believe in something that doesn't affect your life? So Christianity is not just what I believe, but it is how I live. I am a Christian. That means belonging to Christ. In other words, my entire being, who I am, everything about me belongs to him. I believe, but what does it do as far as how I live? So lifelong living in the Christian faith is what we've been talking about. Today, I would like to be emphatic in what I'm saying. I want you to catch and, and, and let this grab a hold of you today. Because today, where we're going to go is, I think, the, uh, what we say, the epitome of how we talk about the daily living of the Christian life. It takes us all the way through our life. So Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to kind of set it up here in verse number 13. Matthew 16, 13 says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And he's referring to himself right there. And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah. In other words, John the Baptist uh, raised from the dead, or Elijah, uh, the prophet, coming again as a forerunner to the Messiah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? So he's asking his disciples. He's asking the ones that supposedly know him the best. They're not only seeing what he's doing in public, but they're seeing him in private too. They're seeing the miracles that he's performing, but he's also uh, hearing the teaching, but they, they would privately be able to have conversation and ask questions. So to the ones that know him best, he's asking, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, it's always Peter, right? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And here Peter is in this big, giant moment of revelation. He nails it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, it is only by the revelation of God, but by my Father who is in heaven. Revelation... Or, or things that we perceive and receive are never something that we conjure up in our own mind. You know that. Revelation comes from where? From God. And, and Peter, in this giant moment of revelation, revealing Jesus and who he is, you're, you're the son of God, that is revelation from God. Verse 18 says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, Really what Jesus is getting at there is the church. Now, who is the church, by the way? Who's the church? That's us. Living, breathing, alive, feet on the ground. Church, right? The church is built on the rock of the revelation of God that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what we're built on. 
If you take the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God out of it, you take his crucifixion, his resurrection out of it, we really aren't anything. But the church is built on the revelation that Jesus is who the scriptures testify that he is. I like this. And I'll, I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or the gates of separation from God, shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And there, there's some things about that we won't get into. But here's the thing. There is a place in everybody's life where when you hear the gospel, there is a choice to be made to, to walk into the revelation that Jesus is who he proclaims that he is or to deny it. Okay? But for those that, that hear this revelation, however it comes to you, we have heard this revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. And he is who the scriptures testify that he is. We believe, but now what? Again, the Christian life isn't just saying, well, well yeah, I, I believe in God, and I guess the Bible, I guess, I guess there's some good stuff in there. You know, some good ethical teaching. You know, not killing somebody, that's good. We'll, we'll buy into that. You know, this whole business of loving your neighbor, well, well maybe. Well, we can talk about that, you know. And when we, we look at it from a belief perspective, and then you start to qualify what you really want to believe and what you don't want to believe. But see, the revelation of Jesus isn't playing at belief, but it is belief that opens up a life of faith in him. In other words, again, a life that we live. And, and to repent, it brings this connotation of rethinking. Once you are in a place that you believe that Jesus is who the scriptures say he is, then we must be in the task of rethinking our entire life based on the revelation of Jesus Christ. The entirety of our being, who we are, what we do, the things we say, the things we think about. We rethink our entire life based on I believe in Jesus. So Christianity isn't a compartment of your life. It's not something you add and bring into your life when you want to. It is my life now. And well, why do I say that? Well, well, we'll get to that in a second. But we have to be people who learn how to rethink our entire life, not just where we want to, not just where we think it benefits us, but our entire life on the revelation that Jesus is who he is. I believe, now what? How does my belief change my life? Now, now I'm, not, I'm not interested in creating a club where the real Christians and you're not. I'm interested in playing that game. In other words, well, I believe and I'm doing this right and you're doing it wrong. I'm not interested in that. But what I am interested in is the challenge of what is happening in your life because you believe. It just can't stop, well, I believe. Okay, well, great, you believe. The Bible says in James that even the demons believe. Then what? But what does it mean to how I live my life 
feet on the ground, living real life with a family and a job and, and the trials of life and the things that we face when I got money in my pocket or when I don't, when things seem to be going good or when they seem not to be going good. Whatever the situation is in my life, how am I living my life in the revelation in the light of Jesus is the Son of God? How is it changing me? That's what it means to be a Christian. That I belong to him in a way that my life is being changed and deeply formed. Again, we're not playing at Christianity. It's not shallow Christianity. But there is a deeply formed way of living the Christian life. And it only happens because the work of God is happening within me because I'm allowing it. Amen. I'm living this life based on the very first person that said it, Peter. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. We believe. And on that, the church is built. But, but then what? Now, now watch the, the flow of, of, of events here. Then verse 21 says, From that time, Jesus began to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now, he's not being coy about this anymore. He's flat out telling them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. The religious leaders are going to have some issues with me, and I'm actually going to be killed for this. They're going to put me to death, but, but don't worry. I'm actually going to be raised to life. And, and, and if you read through the rest of the story here, through the gospel, they didn't understand what he was saying. But, but watch what, what Peter does. Again, Peter, the rock on which the church is going to be built in Revelation, watch what Peter says. And Peter took him aside. You, can you imagine Jesus saying something in front of people and, and then coming, Jesus, can I talk to you for a second? Can we come over here? I have an issue with something you just said. Can I correct you for a moment? This is what Peter's doing. Watch this. Pretty amazing. And, and it says that Peter began to rebuke Jesus. Of the gall of this guy, right? Peter, in wonderful revelation, now is in the place where he's saying, now, Jesus, I don't know about what you just said, this whole business of going and dying. I want to rebuke you for this because I think there needs to be a different way about it. He said, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Because in this, they're, they're believing that Jesus is somebody. But in the context of there's somebody, they're, they're thinking Jesus is coming to liberate them from Rome. They're going to set up this whole uh, Israeli state again under sort of like the kingship of David. They're, they're going to be this national, uh, national prominence and all this different stuff. Well, you can't do that if you're going to die, Right? And he says, I don't think this can happen to you. You're the one we expect to set things up the way we want it set up. In other words, he's starting to think of the way that man would do it, but not the way of God. And watch what Jesus has to say to him. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, it's a sharp contrast right here. When you don't do things in the way of God, ultimately you do things in the way of Satan, because there's an either-or proposition. Do you, know, do you know when Jesus talks about the narrow road? Remember he said there, there's a narrow gate and a narrow road, right? And he said there is a wide gate and a wide road. One leads to life, the other leads to destruction, right? Do you notice there's no middle road? 
that there's nothing in between. It said, well, if you go on the middle road, you can you kind of do both, and it's okay. You're either on the narrow road or you're on the wide road. You're either doing things in the way of God or ultimately, even though it doesn't seem bad on the outside, it is the root of Satan. So to be in the revelation of Jesus Christ is that there is a way to go about this that is the way of God and not the way of man, lost man, rooted in the way of Satan. And Jesus is making this clear here. That I give my life in a way that allows the Lord to lead me in the narrow road, the, the way of life, the race marked out for us, the different ways we've been talking about this in this series. But it is the way of God. And Jesus, at the point is, he is not having the closest ones to him trying to divert him from the cross. Not having any of that business. Remember the, remember the enemy himself tried to tempt Jesus out of the cross. You know that? Remember the temptation of Jesus by the devil. At one point he said, I will give you all the nations of the world, everything you see if you bow down and worship me. Didn't, didn't he tempt Jesus like that? Now, is Jesus, through the cross and his resurrection, king of kings and lord of lords? Is he not? That means you can see a lot of kings and lords in this world using that vernacular, but he is the highest. He's the king of it all. He is the lord of it all. Through his death and his resurrection, he gains the kingdom. But the devil offered it to him by bypassing the cross. If you just worship me and put me in preeminence, I'll let you have it. They gave it to me in sin. I'll give it back to you. But Jesus understands that is not the way of an eternal kingdom. The way of the eternal kingdom is doing it by the will of the Father, and it had to happen through the wisdom of God, through a cross, the shedding of blood, and then the resurrection. Any other way would not be the kingdom of God, and that needs to stick in your heart. Any other way is not the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Any other way is not the kingdom of God. The devil tried to tempt him out of it. Peter, thinking there's a better way of doing this, tried to tell Jesus, let's not do this. Peter, the rock on which the church was built in Revelation, now became Peter, the stumbling block in Jesus' way. See that? He did not want to do things the way Jesus was set out to do it. There is a way of the kingdom. So Jesus, right now, now this is what we're getting to. Now he kind of gets to the crux of it. Look, if, if you want to believe in me, and if you want to do it the way of the kingdom, here we go, verse 24. Then he said to his disciples, he told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will profit a man if he gains the entire world, the whole world yet forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and that he will repay each person according to what he has done. And truly I say to you, there are some standing here 
right now who will not taste death until they see the, the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Right there sets the ultimate way that we stay on the way. Right there, Jesus laid forth, if you really want to follow me, let me tell you how to do it. Right here it is. You've got to learn how to deny yourself and to daily pick up your cross and literally follow me. Because in the process of picking up your cross, what you will do is you will lose your life to gain actual true life. There's a trade-off trade happening. And if we learn to pick up our cross every single day, you'll stay on the way. That, that like we said last week or the week before, that, that you grab hold of the plow, but you don't look back. That you stay to the task of the kingdom. A daily denying of the self and a daily picking up of a cross. You cannot separate the cruciform life from the Christian life. The cruciform life meaning uh, is sort of the way or the shape of the cross. In other words, that the cross and, and our picking it up is the shape of how we live and approach life. You can't separate your cross from the living of the Christian life. You can't separate laying down your life from the Christian life. If you do it any other way, it's not the way of the kingdom. Let me be emphatic in saying that. We may like to get like Peter and say, but Jesus, I think there's a better way to do this. And ultimately, he's going to say, no, 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 no. Hopefully he won't call you Satan. But hey, get behind me, Satan. That's not the way of God. That's the way of man. You're, you're trying to do this in the way that man thinks. But that's not the kingdom. It's the kingdom of a man, but it's not the kingdom of God, which is the eternal kingdom in which we're called to live. Now, again, how many of you this morning you would say, you know what, I'm saved. Who would say that? You are saying that I am a citizen of a kingdom, that the way of the kingdom is picking up my cross. You see that? that that's, a, that's a confirmation that this is the way that I am called to live. You can't separate these things out. Now, by, by the way, the cross was not a Jewish symbol. The cross was a Roman symbol. It was Roman execution. When one carries a cross, and, and again, the disciples were well aware of what a crucifixion was. Jesus was not the only guy crucified in history. There were thousands of people crucified by the Romans. When Jesus makes these statements, they know entirely what he's talking about. Because remember the whole story of Jesus? Before he was crucified, he had to carry his cross Remember, all the way to Golgotha? And at one point, Simon Cyrene helps him and all the different stories. The moment that you have to pick up your cross, you have been sentenced to death. And there was no getting out of it. Other than a pardon from the highest, maybe it would have had been Pilate. Other than a pardon at the last moment, once you pick that cross up, you are literally sentenced to death. So when he talks to his disciples, he said, you got to pick your cross up. They're going to go, wait a minute, you just sentenced me to death. 
Do I really have to give my life to follow you? Notice Jesus said, well, you know what? There's a way you can live. You can get the whole world, but yet use your soul. You can gain everything that man wants to gain. You can gain the relationships and the, the finances. You can gain the things and the material wealth. You can have it all, but yet lose this right here. But I'm going to tell you how to live in this world and not lose your soul. Pick your cross up. And daily, follow me or follow him. That is the way of the kingdom. The moment you agree, yes, I'm a, you have sentenced yourself, your flesh, to death. To come underneath what it means to live the Christian life and gain actual true life. Amen. Picking up your cross is like this. It is that. It is the life of not only following Jesus, but the process of the everyday life of dying to yourself and being resurrected in new life in the foreshadowing of the actual resurrection is the abandonment of your will and taking on the ways of Jesus. That's why we talked about this series about obedience and dependence and humility. And by the way, you take up your cross, what we talked about last week, with joy. Yeah. This is the essence of discipleship and life on the way. And Jesus lived this to the fullness of his physical life. He literally went to a cross and died. What I don't want to see in the church is I don't want to see this, this, uh, this statement, this well-known statement, pick up your cross and follow Jesus, to be cliché. It's just something we say as Christians. But it's an actual embodiment of how you live your life. But see, notice with picking up your cross, um, you have to deny yourself. See that? This is actually active. It's everyday purposeful decisions, conscious decisions to follow Jesus, deny in yourself with the help and the guidance and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, to deny in yourself what does not line up with what it means to pick your cross up. Deny it. I must be willing to say no to myself when necessary. No to any form of self-idolatry. To renounce the self and the selfish nature of it. You see, you see with Paul, a lot of language of putting things on and clothe yourself with and put this stuff off. This, this is, in essence, what Jesus said first. Deny yourself. Did you know, do you know when you pick up your cross, it's hard to carry other things? Sometimes you've got to learn to lay other stuff down so you can pick the cross up. You, you know, I, I'm all for you doing things in life, but there is anything in your life that... that causes you not to be able to pick up your cross or causes life to come out of bounds where you can't carry it, you've got to lay that stuff down and deny it so you can pick up your cross daily and literally follow him the way of the kingdom. Denying yourself. And that's the way to gain life. This, this, the different ways we talk about with the scriptures, new life, abundant life, Life of the kingdom. 
I, I think it's very important that the church, the people of God, learn how to contemplate about this. You know what I mean by that? To, to literally let it think and let it sink and sit in. That we literally learn how to contemplate what it means to pick up a cross. What does that mean? How is that lived? What change will happen? How do I actually lose my life? We, we, we think about these things. So I, I learned a long time ago, many, many, many years ago, to contemplate, rethink my life based on the revelation of Jesus. And to be very honest with myself, often with the help of the Holy Spirit, just sometimes in, in my own honesty, and see things in my life that did not line up with what it meant to pick up the cross. Things in myself that I had to learn how to deny in me. We're very good at looking at other people and saying what well, you should deny. How about we start with ourselves? What things about me contradict this whole idea of picking up this cross? What attitudes, what perceptions, uh, what, what characteristics of me? My, my actions, my reactions, how I see people, how I talk to people. You see, what kind of things don't go along with picking up this cross of, of, that I've been called to bear that caused me to lose me to gain him. Well, what good is it to believe in Jesus if your life is not being changed? What good is it to repent of sin but not live free of sin? You see? All, all these different things we say about the Christian life, but are we embodying it and living it? Let me, let me tell you something. When you are picking up your cross daily, it keeps you on the narrow road. You will actively be denying the things that will cause you to be on the wide way, the way of destruction. It will keep at the forefront of who you are in understanding your Christian life that there is a change happening. And, and this is what you'll learn. I am willing to give up anything that needs to be given up in order to be on this way. Because I don't want to live by the wisdom of man. There's some good things that man can do, obviously, right? But it is not the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of man and the ways of man can't save my soul. I think, I think we want what the work of cross, the cross did when Jesus did it because that benefits me in forgiveness. But I don't want the work of the cross when I have to pick it up every day. I just want the benefit, but I don't want to live it. That's why he said, if you want to follow me, listen, if you, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be on this way with me, Pick your cross up and learn how to deny yourself because that is the avenue to true and abundant life here on this earth right now. Amen? This is not playing at it Christianity. You understand that? So what, what is there in this world? Notice, and Jesus said, you know, you can gain the whole world but lose your soul. 
What really can you gain in this world that's worth your soul? What really is out there that's a good bargain? So when I was a kid growing up, uh, I, had, I, I still have them. My boys, are, are, as they're getting older, there's a little bit of chatter about who gets this stuff. But I have thousands of football cards from the 70s and 80s. So I, got some, I got some cards that are worth money, right? As much as that market does this. When I was a kid growing up, we were always trading cards. You know what I'm talking about? I also was a little bit of a fisherman. My friends and I, in a weird way, we were always trading fishing lures, too. It was weird. I know, I understand. We're always trying to out-bargain the other one, trying to dupe them into taking something worth not so much and getting something worth more. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of like traders. What in this world can you gain that's a good trade for your soul? I'm going to just say nothing. There is nothing out there that you can gain, you can have, you can possess, you can win. It, it don't matter. There is nothing that's out there that's a good bargain in exchange for your soul. Not a thing. I don't care if, if it's the highest of riches. I don't care if it's, it's all the material things you think you can have. I don't care if you think it's perfect relationship. I don't care if you think it's success. It doesn't matter what it is. There is nothing that you can have that's a good trade-off for your soul. And Jesus said, if you don't pick up your cross daily, you're in danger of losing it. Because you end up picking up that stuff and living your life for that stuff. But the way of the kingdom is the way of the cross. Amen? So, so let me, let me, let me kind of challenge you today a bit. In the nicest way possible. Sort of. Pick your cross up. Throw all this other stuff down. The distractions, the sin that entangles, that whatever it is. Throw the stuff down that needs to be thrown down and daily pick that cross up. And I promise you, you learn to do this. This is going to be a long, long-term, lifelong discipleship. Now, notice it says daily. You know what that means? Every day. You know, you know what we're called to do in this life? Are we called to be perfect? No, we're called to be faithful. Faithful. By the way, in Mark's account of this, there, there's a, a part in Mark's account, Mark 8, I think, where it says that anybody who is ashamed of Jesus and his words, that he will be ashamed of you at his return. There's a little add-in of Mark's that not only am I going to pick up my cross, I'm not going to be ashamed of it. Not boastful, not proud, not arrogant, not a jerk about it. But I'm not ashamed to say I'm picking up my cross for the sake of Christ and for the sake of new life. I'm not ashamed. As Paul, we'll get into Romans on Wednesday. As Paul stated, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God for those who believe. Amen. Let's pick up our cross. Follow him. Let's learn what it means to think about it. Let's learn what it means to lose life in order to gain it. Uh, gentlemen, if you would come and, and pull the tables out for me. We're going to close out today with communion. Very symbolic of what we talked about this morning. Uh, when, we, when we partake of, of communion together, 
is simply reinforcing this, we believe. That Jesus literally, he literally died a physical death, represented of this bread right here. And Jesus literally shed his blood for our sins as represented by the cup. Now you think about this. A literal crucifixion, a literal shedding of blood, and then a literal resurrection. Why wouldn't the Christian life believe that this was literal but not apply it literally to our life? That we literally live a physical life embodying what we say we believe. In other words, that I, my life, who I am, the things that I do, my physical body, my mind, everything about me is living the Christian life. Why wouldn't I? If this is symbolic of the remembrance of what Jesus literally did as a call to us, then to live this in our life. That is why the elements are, are, are physical. They're here. We partake them. You're going to eat and drink this thing. It's, it's here. We, we don't come and say, well, let's just think about uh, Jesus being crucified. Let's think about his blood. Jesus told us to do this because it puts us, puts us in our hands as a, a, a real significance of what he did. And we partake as a calling to live the cruciform life. Amen. So this morning, if you'd like to, you don't have to partake, it's okay. But if you'd like to uh, partake of communion with us this morning, we ask you to come and come down the center and kind of filter around the sides. And we'll, we'll partake together when everybody is back at your seats. I like about our communion is, is Tish and Jenny and the girls, I don't know who all, they, they emphatically tell me we should never take wafers here. So they make this bread for you, just so you know that. Make sure we're amply supplied. So what I want to do before we, we pray and take this together, I want you to think about In the ways that you understand right now in your life, are you picking up your cross daily and following him? Are you consciously 
living the life that this represents and that the life that this, the work of Jesus, what it allowed you to live? You can only answer these questions for yourself. See, see I'm a pastor, I'm not a detective. I don't dig in your life, I don't watch your life. If you ask me questions, I'll help, but I, I ain't chasing you around. If your Facebook annoys me, I just, I just turn it off. I'm, I'm not interested in digging in your life. This, this is you and the Holy Spirit. See? Are you picking up your cross? If so, my encouragement is keep going. It, sometimes it gets hard. Yep. Is it always easy? Not always. Denying yourself is a work. In other words, that's something you work at with the help of the Holy Spirit. Okay? If you're saying, man, I, I'm not sure I am, then I encourage you to start. I'm not sure what that means. Just ask. Ask him. He's the best one to help you in what it means. What do I need to deny? What does it mean to follow you? And he'll start to help you way better than I can. But we start this, this step, one foot in the other front. Uh, the uh, journey of the Christian life. Amen? So Lord, we thank you for what these elements represent. The sacrament, Lord. The, the, the broken body and shed blood. The crucified body and the blood for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for going to that cross in obedience. That you didn't listen to Peter. You didn't given to the temptation of the enemy, that you were obedient even to death on the cross. You literally carried your cross and died on it. We thank you for that. We thank you for then what that affords, our salvation, the finality of the, the sacrifice and the forgiveness of our sins, then certainly the wonder and the power of the resurrection, which, which we also live in. We thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for what this... Bread represents your body, broken, crucified on a Roman cross in our place, paying the wage of sin, which is death. We thank you for that. Partake of the bread together. And Lord, Lord, the cup of representative of, of the blood that you shed. For what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I thank you for my forgiveness, and I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Forgive me my sins. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on my family. Forgive them their sins. And Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on this church. Forgive us our sins that we stand in this blood and what it means for us to partake of the cup together. Now, as we close today, just, just thank him. Just in your own way, your own words, your own moment, you're just thank him for what, what he has done for you. Lord, we, we praise you today. We worship you. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you are to us. The only way we can show the gratitude is our praise and our worship and our following you, and I pray that we do so. For your patience, your mercy, your grace that, that 
affords all of that. We thank you for it. And we live in it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, be blessed as you go today. Tomorrow night, if you want to help us pass flyers, 7 o'clock, if not Wednesday night, we'll come and be here together. Uh, have a very blessed Sunday.